Welcome back to the Worldview Minute. As we spend some more time here looking at the impact of sin and the fall on creation and, and all of life, we've, we've now walked through Genesis chapter 3. We've seen Satan's tactics, the ones he used then, is are they still the same ones he uses today? We've seen the universal impact of sin, right? All of humanity and all of creation is stained by sin. Those who sin are sinners by nature and by choice, and everyone who sins, Jesus tells us in John chapter 8, are then slaves to sin. Humanity's condition is utterly hopeless if humanity is the only option that we have for salvation. And this is really where the fall is pushing us to, that our our problem is moral. And I want to start this episode with this quote from the book of Ecclesiastes. In this book, Solomon is lamenting the broken state of the world, that the world is reigned by sin, that things don't always go as they should go, that this world is vanity of vanity, or or as... um, Better translation, mist of mist, vapor of vapors, that this world is not as it should be. And as Solomon is lamenting that, he says this in chapter 7, verse 13. He said, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? And this is an allusion back to earlier in the book where he talks about the world being bent or crooked, that this world is wrong. It is bent. But who ultimately bent the world? Well, man sinned, and God, in response to it, has cursed it. The ground is cursed. You can work hard in your life and not get the return that God had initially designed it to be. And so we have this understanding that as we put the pieces together of this paradigm that we should then be looking at the world through, that sin has now entered into the the equation, we are left with this unavoidable solution. If God is the one who has bent it, if it is his strength that has made it the way it is, it's only God who can make it straight again. That's the implication of Solomon's question. Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he has made crooked? The answer is no human can do that. And so as we we draw together, we pull together the Christian world here and how sin is, is, is put into this package, we have to summarize some things. Some of these things we've said. First, this is a moral universe. Our primary problem is internal. Our hearts are wicked. We are born with a sinful nature that yearns for sin, just as Adam and Eve have done. We are sinful by nature and by choice. And God has given to us commands. All of the law of God can be summarized in two commands. Love the Lord your God with your whole self and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And if we're honest, we're not good at those things. They go against our nature. Yes, sometimes we do nice things. Sometimes we worship God as we should, but these are not natural to us anymore in our fallen state. They were natural to us before the fall, but they are not so anymore. And in response to sin, what we find in in the fall, it is right for God to judge sin. Just as you would hate it if the judge released a murderer without punishing him at all, or a child rapist, or whatever it is, if a judge doesn't punish them, there's something that boils up within you that says this is not as it should be. Right? This is an injustice. We've been seeing crowds protesting of perceived injustices now a lot. Why is this so? Because we live in a moral universe. Right? It's ingrained in us that there is such a thing as right and wrong. When we are wronged, we want justice. And it is right for God to punish evil, as he did in the fall. It is right then for God to also punish your evil and my evil. And to that end, God speaks in his word so that you and I can know. What does God expect of us? 
what is indeed right and what is indeed wrong. We are not left to guessing. God has spoken so that we might live as we should. And we then see that sin also impacts the totality of who in, who we are. Created in God's image, created in his likeness. We still have the image and the likeness of God, but that now is stained and broken to an extent. That every human is stained by sin because our Our parents have passed that down to us. Humans then, we know, are then both valuable because they're created in the image of God, but they are also, in some ways, not to be trusted because they are sinners. So this Christian worldview provides this tension for us that a lot of worldviews don't, that either view humans as worthless or as the ultimate source of good. We say man is worthwhile, he is valuable, and in some sense good as he reflects the image of God, but he is also hopelessly broken and stained by sin. And so we hold this intention, man's worthwhileness. We protect life, we protect rights, but also we do not have an unrealistic expectation on ourselves or others, knowing that we are indeed fallen sinners. And so then this both pushes us to this. God has to save us, right? Um, God must fix the world. If there's to be any fixing going on here, that God's judgment hangs over us. It moves us to this reality. We need a savior. And that Savior has to be, at least, um, part's not the right word, but it has to come from God. Salvation must come from the Lord. Salvation belongs to the world, or to the Lord. We are unable, categorically unable to save ourselves because we are sinners and we are broken. And that Savior, he must come in such a way that he deals with our chief problem. The chief problem is moral. Our Savior must deal with our sin and our how it has wrecked the world and how it has wrecked our relationship with God. And so the final application we can make from this is we look at the fall. We've identified the main problem is moral. It is sin. It is in the heart of every individual human. This leads us to this application too. Utopianism or any utopian movement is a lie. It's a trap. Even if all of humanity were to gather together, all of its strength, all of its, all of its wisdom, it is nothing but a flower of the field that will wilt and wither in the sun. If we were to gather everything that we have together, we cannot make this world perfect. This is why some of the most dangerous movements we've seen in world history are those that promise a utopia, but they only ever achieve in bringing in hell on earth. Why? Because the problem is man. And man cannot overcome that problem on his own. And so things like communism that have killed hundreds of millions of people in the last century or so, as a promise to bring in a utopia for mankind brought in hell on earth. Why? Because this is how the world is. The world is broken and it has fallen and it is sinful. And only a sinless savior can come and deal with that problem. And so as we think about this paradigm that the Bible has given for us to understand ourselves and to understand the world, we see that we are valuable, creation is valuable, but we are also stained by sin. We also reside under the curse. We reside under God's judgment, and only an act of God can bring about that salvation. No political movement can do that. No amount of education or therapy or anything else can do that because we live in a moral universe that at its heart the problem is moral. And so the solution needs to be dealing with the moral problem, our sin. And that's what we're going to unpack in the next round of videos and episodes as we look at the universality of God's salvation. So creation, universal, it touches everything. The fall touches and impacts everything as well. It's universal in its scope. And now the Savior we are looking for is going to deal with that 
universal or comprehensive problem. So I encourage you to like, comment, and share. Subscribe on whatever your favorite um, podcast site is as we continue to build the Christian worldview so that we come to see all of the world, all of ourselves, and all of life through this lens of Christ, his work, and his word.